0: Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson.
1: Well, welcome to Focus Today. I'm your host, Perry Atkinson, and I've been looking forward to having our special guest today because, uh, well, this is such an important topic, and uh, here we are, people of media, talking about people in media. Uh, Chadwick Moore is with us today. He's a journalist, public speaker political commentator, cultural critic, author of his new book, Tucker. And he's a columnist, contributing editor to The Spectator, editor-in-chief of Outspoken and Outspoken Middle East, and formerly uh, a regular guest uh, there on the Tucker Carlson Tonight Show. But uh, he's with us today. And by the way, he does have a website, ChadwickMore.com, and there's a picture of the landing page of his website, so check that out and check the book out. Chadwick, thanks for your time. How are you, friend?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much
1: for having me on. It's well, great you, to be we we uh, we are honored to have you, sir. Thank you. Uh gosh, so much to talk to. You. What prompted do you to talk about Carlson and write a book? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great
2: question. Uh, we, we started this book over a year ago and You know, it just occurred to us, you know, he'd become the most important and influential voice in American politics. Um, But, you know, there's not a lot of cable news hosts who you'd really want to read a book about. Uh, But I always felt that Tucker was an exception. I mean, I think he's a really interesting, multifaceted guy and also really hilarious, entertaining, and and down-to-earth. And he certainly had um, a, a very interesting career. Uh, and I really wanted to get to know who he is as a man and get behind this sort of caricature of him in the media as this you know, force of evil, this cartoonish villain uh, that that the left portrays him as. And to find out, like, what this guy is really all about, where does he come from, and what motivates him.
1: You know, you have a little bit of an advantage of that because you got to know him pretty well. You are on his show. You know a little bit, obviously, about his profession and got to get him behind the scenes. So what did you find? Who is he?
2: Well, you know, he's someone that uh, I guess he's Kind of was a Washington elite for a long time. He didn't really grow up privileged, uh, contrary to what most people believe. He didn't grow up with the silver spoon in his mouth at all. He actually came from a long line of uh, dysfunction and abandonment in his family, which he's tried to reset in his own family. But he's been around Washington people his whole life. He knows them in and out. He knows how the system works. But weirdly enough, he is kind of a hero of the everyman, uh, and uh, and and he really is someone who's very down to earth. He's very uh, spiritual, and increasingly so. I don't think he always has been that way. And uh, uh, he's someone that uh, is, you can't, you know, like a lot of uh, people in his profession, he can talk about things other than politics. In fact, he can talk about anything uh, and, and uh, with great passion and interest.
1: So here he is at Fox News, and they, he's in and out as a contributor, and then all of a sudden he gets a show. What was that process like?
2: Yeah, at the time, he so he's been fired from uh, all three cable networks now. Um, Asterix, he's not actually fired from Fox. He's still an, uh, an employee, as we're speaking. He's, his show was simply taken off the air. Um, but he was uh, spent, that was sort of his time in the woods, where he was a contributor at Fox, not making a lot of money, putting four kids through school. And then he was given this show that eventually moved into the 8 p.m. time slot, you know, it coincided with Bill O'Reilly's exit from Fox News and other shakeups, And uh, he rocketed to a position where I think he was sort of artificially extending the relevance and life of not only uh, Fox, but of cable news in general. I mean, millions of people started tuning in just for his program, and that includes Democrats. He had the highest ratings of 25 to 54-year-old Democrats in all of cable news, more than MSNBC.
1: Um, And— Excuse me, what was it? What was the attraction, you think, of uh, Tucker—
2: I think it was not only the connection he has with his audience, you know, uh, there's a level of sort of sincerity there uh, that people trust, but also, you know, he he rose to prominence at Fox at a time when the political paradigm is shifting in really dramatic ways that I don't think a lot of people understand. He was taking stances. He was a very, he's very anti-corporatist there in the most corporate of settings. That (laughs) kind of crosses the political divide on both the left and the right. And he would take a counter narrative to everyone else in mainstream media that even liberals found attractive. And I think during the Trump years, you saw waves of formerly liberal identified people, myself being one of them actually, who really rejected the left and began to seek truth and independent voices in a new way. And uh, when those people made a splash about it, they always had a spot on Tucker's show and they were a huge part of his audience as well.
1: Okay, so he had no problem talking to people that he disagreed with. Is Was that an attraction?
2: I think so. Yeah. And I think unfortunately, a lot of people would (laughs) eventually became to fear him and and wouldn't go on his show because of that reason. But um, he absolutely I think he prefers to speak to people he doesn't agree with. And he prefers to speak to people who are um, worthy opponents. He's not someone that just wants to beat up on someone who uh, can't handle their own weight in a debate. He's a natural debater. Um, He has been since high school, uh, where his uh, appearances in debate school or on the debate club in high school turned into a spectacle. I learned talking to his old classmates and people would show up to watch him debate teachers and what have you. Um, So he loves that. He loves a challenge. Um, I think that he wished probably more people would be willing to debate him.
1: Um, Where do you think he got his Um, Solidarity, as far as his conservative views are concerned, where, where do you think that was honed in on his life?
2: Uh, his father, for sure. Uh, and his father, Dick Carlson, who I got to meet and spend a lot of time with. Uh, he was a journalist as well. Um, they are very aligned on a lot of their values. Uh, uh, Tucker Carlson is, calls his father's greatest mentor and inspiration. Um, and Dick's a wonderful guy. He really deserves a book of his own, to be honest. He's led a very fascinating life, um, but they're very similar in a lot of their views. Uh, and um, like his uh, like his like his son Dick also used to kind of be a part of the Washington machine, and then has come to sort of reject that and uh, Beltway conservatism in a way that his son also has.
1: So here you are writing about somebody today is <laughs> quite uh, controversial in some ways. But uh, did you were any surprises for you, uh, Chadwick, when you were writing the book? Did you find anything that just kind of oh I uh, didn't expect that.
2: I was really surprised as much as you know I, I found myself very involved in his life story as you get to be with with the, with the subject when you're writing a biography and I found myself um you know very moved by his humility uh I found myself extremely moved by his relationship with his wife Susie it's really kind of a storybook love affair they've been together since they were 15 years old and uh, they have four children together. Uh, it was, you know, they really reminded me about what's important in life and, uh, you know, the extent to which Tucker protects his inner sanctum of the people around him, his family and his close friends and even the people who work for him. Uh, you know, that's all very important to him. And that was a really, really nice thing to to witness and to get to write about.
1: Um, all right, today he's, he's, he's out of Fox and we can get into that a little bit later, but what do you, well, let me ask you, was he, highly controlled by Fox editorial behind the scenes, or was he given a free hand to do what he wanted on his show?
2: So he wasn't controlled, you know, according to him. And he was, he was always very grateful for that. Uh, you know, I asked very directly and specifically about certain issues, you know, that he obviously disagrees with the Murdochs on very big issues like Ukraine. Uh, the Murdochs are very pro-war. They're very pro Uh Tucker's obviously not. But he said that he never had anyone looking over his shoulder. He was very grateful for that. Now, with that said, I think when you're in that setting, uh, anyone would probably self-censor to some extent. Uh, that would only be natural. Um, but uh, but he never had anyone telling him he couldn't do this or couldn't do that. And, and if they had, they probably would have gone ahead and
1: done it anyway. So he's, uh, he comes on, he gets his own show, and he skyrockets in ratings. I mean, it was an unusual rise in ratings. How did that play out with the rest of the hosts there on the channel?
2: Everyone at Fox that I spoke to and that I've known, they, they really... Adored Tucker. I mean, even not just the hosts, but also um, anyone, any of the production staff, the makeup artists, you know, anyone you can think of really liked him as a person uh, whenever they had interactions with him. Um, I don't know if there was uh, I, I guess there's always some kind of funny moments between him and Hannity. I, I sort of noticed some tension. Um, Tucker w- would be too polite to talk about it. But uh some of his staff would talk would kind of make comments about uh some other hosts to me. Uh but generally I don't think there was a lot of tension uh between them. Obviously there were big ideological differences, particularly with Sean Hannity whose show followed his. Uh, but, um, I, I think that what made to Fox's credit, what made it different than other networks is that hosts were allowed to disagree. Maybe that's not true anymore, but, uh, at least while he was there, um, they, there was no, uh, you know, CNN, for example, has their morning call where they decide this is what the news is. And this is our angle and every other show, every show tells the same story. Fox doesn't have that morning call. So each show, it was left to them to decide what they wanted to cover and how they wanted to cover it.
1: So. How much, I'll uh, see if I can ask this, each, each host has their own team of people that worked with them, and how much of the show prep did he do or did his team do for him? Do you know?
2: So Tucker wrote, 100% wrote all of those opening monologues, The what's called the A Block. That's right. all him. And Tucker, by his nature, he's, he's a writer, first and foremost, and, and secondly, kind of a performer and TV talent. Uh, and and that's really his creative outlet is is writing those monologues and I and I definitely got to see that um, the, he gets his stories you know most cable news shows even at Fox they get their stories from the front page of the New York Times uh, they that's they let the New York Times decide what the news of the day is Tucker doesn't read the Times that's not where he gets it he got a lot of his stories I found out from e- everyday average people um, he's got about four hundred people and I got to meet some of them who he just gave his phone number to on some chance encounter, like a waiter or a pilot or a nurse. Uh, And he gets people all over the country who would send him story ideas. He would send them to his team to vet. They would find out if they were good or not, if they were actually true. Um, That's where a lot of his story content came from. Uh, And, um, you know, of course, you know, he has producers and such who would think he would find stories and, and present them to him. Uh, but he had a lot of creative control about what was going on. Uh, the show also, in that sense, had kind of a mom and pop feel to it, uh, which I really yeah. got really appreciated.
1: Um, so what happened? What what happened? I mean, here he is, the top guy and he gets booted. What happened? Well, that's
2: the $64 million question, or should I say the 3.5 million viewer question, (laughs) is why would Fox do this? Uh, We address in the book um, tons of the speculations and theories about what happened. Fox has not given to this day an official explanation. The closest they've come was they ran to the New York Times to say that the reason why they took him off the air was because of a private text message he sent someone, which they said was racist. Uh, It wasn't racist. And we talked about that text message in the book as well. Uh, what seemed clear is that it had something—the timing was six days after the settlement with Dominion. Uh, Tucker obviously did not push any of these theories about Dominion on his show. In fact, he pushed back against them more than most people on Fox did. Uh, so whether that timing was used as an excuse to get rid of him, kind of lay down the law at Fox, get everyone in line, uh, and because they didn't, someone at Fox didn't want him on the air saying these things, that could be a possibility— Sources of it told me that it was a condition in the lawsuit. Dominion has denied this and Fox has denied this. But uh, it's to this day, uh, it's left. It, what seems to be clear is that it was politically motivated because they are still trying to keep him silent. They also, Fox has fired his entire production team in one fell swoop. They literally frog marched them out of the building after one night's show. Um, this is very unusual for cable news because you're not hired at Fox to work on a show. You're hired to work for the network. So if your show gets taken off the air, you would be moved to another show. Um, these were the most top performing team of producers in all of cable news history. And Fox got rid of all of them because uh, maybe they sense that they were all loyal to Tucker.
1: Wow. So um, the Dominion case cost Fox a lot of money. Uh, it would, It's just hard to believe that Tucker would be the fall guy for that.
2: Fox views its brand as more powerful and important than any personality on the air. Uh, and that while that may have been true a long time ago, it's certainly not true today. Uh, Fox management essentially saw Tucker as no different than when uh, Glenn Beck left, Bill O'Reilly, Megyn Kelly, any number of people you can think of. Uh, they believed that the Fox brand is more important, uh, but I don't think that's true anymore. I don't think they realized that Tucker Carlson's brand was as big, if not bigger, than the Fox News brand that he was a political movement and not just a talk show host. Um, Fox executives, I think, to this day, refuse to acknowledge that, but I think the numbers show that that's uh, indeed the case.
1: Yeah, I want to get into that. Let me take a quick break. Chadwick, thank you. Let me uh, take a quick break here. I'm sure you're all aware about those things. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Chad. Chadwick Moore's with us. Check out the book. You may have already read it. It uh, deals with Tucker. There's a picture of the cover of the book. And, uh, of course, you can go to his website, too, ChadwickMoore.com. There's a picture of the landing page. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on The Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show.
1: And again, an honor to have with us uh, Chadwick Moore. He's a journalist, public speaker, political commentator, wrote the book called Tucker. And of course, it's uh, really um, rocking the shelves these days. You may want to get a copy if you haven't already done so. There's a picture of the cover of the book on the screen. Uh, Chadwick also has a uh, website, chadwickmoore.com. Be sure to check that out as well. Gosh, I wish I had you for a couple hours, but I only got you for a few more minutes, so I'll get you back. <laughs> and thanks for your time. Uh, back to Tucker Carlson leaving Fox uh, I've been in broadcasting well over four decades and at the end of the day ratings and dollars speak loudly <laughs> and when Tucker, Tucker left both those things went down to Fox May more than anybody else that has left Fox was that any kind of a indication of their decision
2: I mean, it's if you look at total viewership down about 67 percent compared to last year, that's like three Bud Lights. I mean, we talk about the impact of what's happening to Bud Light and now this at Fox. Um, you know, some of the sort of business types might say that uh, Tucker's show was despite its huge. Huge numbers in viewers was unable to bring in big blue chip advertisers because they deemed it too controversial or whatever. Uh, but you know that may have factored into the business decision. However, what's become apparent is that Tucker is propping up the entire primetime lineup. People would tune in early at seven just for his eight o'clock show and then maybe stick around for the rest of the evening. Um, those numbers haven't really recovered at all, uh, and I don't think they're going to. Uh, He was an anomaly in cable news in a way that the executives didn't understand or appreciate. Uh, And, uh, you know, he was really straddling this world where he brought the Internet to cable and he brought cable to the Internet. Uh, He would trend on Twitter nightly after his monologues. And that wasn't, you know, usually if a cable news host is trending on Twitter, it's because they're being mocked. In Tucker's case, it was because people were cheering him on. In the same respect, he was getting his content from stuff that people were talking about on the internet, not what the New York Times was talking about or what CNN was talking about. Uh, So that sort of marriage between the two worlds of media, he was in the middle of. uh, And when he left uh, traditional media, uh, I don't think that the people have come back to it.
1: Wow. So what's ahead for him? I mean, I see his tweets. Uh, I see his interviews here and there. He seems to be just moving right along. But overall, does he end up on a platform? Does he create his own? What, what do you think is going to happen here?
2: So he's uh, 54 now. He's been in media his whole life. And I, I think he wants to be his own boss. I think he's sick of working for other people. Uh, so I don't think he's going to be joining another outlet despite big offers coming his way. Uh, they reports have it that they're currently raising capital to start their own media platform. Uh, Tucker's executive producer Justin has told me this as well, and uh, I imagine it'll be something similar to The Blaze, something like that. Uh, but Justin has said that in this new media venture, they will uh, people will be seeing more Tucker than they ever saw on Fox News. The problem, of course, being right now is that Tucker's contract—he's still under contract with Fox. And that uh, doesn't expire until after the next presidential election. So someone at Fox or a group of people at Fox are paying to try to keep him silent until after the next election. They're currently fighting this. Tucker would obviously like to be out of this agreement as quickly as possible, but uh, we'll have to see how it plays out.
1: Um, all right. So is, was there a silence uh, gag on him for this? I mean, we hear him talking and we hear rumors of them suing each other. What's going on?
2: Yeah, Fox has sent cease and desist letters to Tucker, uh, strangely claiming that he is rendering services in violation of his contract. Well, he's uh, simply posting videos on Twitter, which would you could argue is no different than any other Fox News host does. They go to so- social media to you know, present their political opinions on issues of the day because Tucker's not being paid by Elon Musk and not making money off Twitter. uh, I don't think that legally constitutes rendering services. Uh, I've since been told that Fox has backed off on sending the letters, perhaps because it makes them look so bad. And anytime they send a letter, Tucker's just going to post it on social media so everyone can see it. I don't think Fox wants any more bad publicity over this than they're already getting.
1: All right. Let me uh, let me scratch your other itch. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and that is, uh, uh, you know, you'll you're stay on top of what's happening politically. As you well know, the former president goes to federal court today uh, over the uh, January 6th indictment uh, coming from the grand jury. What's your take on that?
2: I think it's a take of any sane minded person in this country is that it's a horrifying thing to watch. Uh, you know, I don't think this is going to stick. The case is extremely flimsy, but it's horrifying to watch the federal government be weaponized against the opposition party. President Trump is the inarguable leader of the opposition party, and uh, the Biden administration or regime is attempting to jail him. If you want to talk about election meddling, there's no greater... Case than this. Um, You know, I think that also at this point, we all have indictment fatigue. I think we, you know, some news breaks about the Bidens, it's very damaging, and the next day Trump's indicted for something. So a lot of us are exhausted by that, but but that doesn't um, uh, uh, smooth over the fact that we're watching the behavior of totalitarian governments and banana republics here. This is behavior that the US condemns in other countries, and it is happening here right before our eyes.
1: Um, In the meantime, uh, the former president is uh, hasn't made a decision to go to the debate. Uh, Apparently, a couple nights ago, he has dinner with the Fox executives and they're asking him, please come to the debate. That's obvious. They need the ratings. Uh, But he's thinking, why should I go? I'm already 50 points ahead and I'm just going to go there. And a hostile team of reporters are going to ask me bad questions. What do you think he ought to do?
2: Well, uh, I mean, he's right in a way that he doesn't need to debate to debate. I wish he would uh, for two reasons. I just think it's good sportsmanship uh, and it, it, I think it's a good look for him to debate. Secondly, it's just so entertaining to watch Trump debate. Who does not want to watch that? So I would love to see him debate, you know, not maybe not necessarily on Fox. Uh, because they clearly don't like him very much, and they didn't like him in 2016. They're just kind of wheel him out for ratings, so I think that they're trying to use him. Uh, it would be great if he would debate uh, on an independent network. You know, that would be wonderful, especially since independent media is where he thrives and, and actually where most people are tuning in now. Uh, so, you know, he, he, he certainly—it uh, won't hurt him, I don't think, in the polls to not debate, but uh, I, I would like to see him debate. I think he should. I think it would be good uh, good sportsmanship
1: that's a good term good sportsmanship yeah that's a good term i hope he does too i hope he goes he looked if there's anybody that can counter <laughs> the hits it's him <laughs> so we'll see what happens yeah. uh chad i want to i want to go to our industry a little bit uh you're a journalist you've been around a long time you're right in the heart of some of this stuff and yet we're seeing uh the distrust of media these days and we're watching viewers and listeners just go to other platforms and split and go um, we've watched Fox uh, be king for a long time. Now they got some rating drops. You got CNN that's holding on basically with just the skin of their teeth. What you take of what's happening to our industry? Well,
2: it's it's if we're talking specifically about cable, I mean, you look at cable news and it's such an artifice. There's so many bells and whistles, news alerts, things scrolling everywhere. It's so highly produced. It's so scripted. And we just entered a place where I think that people want to get their news from personalities that they trust and people really want authenticity and they expect authenticity, which has led to the rise of of independent media and Internet media and and alternative sources. Uh, And I, I mean, I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, you know, there's just the, the the gatekeepers of information have fallen thanks to the Internet that uh, people are seeing the artifice behind cable news and how, how the narrative is controlled. Mm-hmm. You know, Fox, for example, couldn't report on t- Tucker's interview with. Devin Archer yesterday because they're forbidden from showing saying his name on air, and this was one of the biggest stories of the day. Um, who wants to get their media from that, you know? And I feel bad for people who are still trapped at Fox. I, I genuinely like everyone I, I used to interact with there. I like them as people, um, but uh, I think it's it's great that, that people want you know want trustworthiness over uh, you know polish and and
1: panache. <laughs> Well, it's fascinating. Uh, what do you want people to take away from you writing a book about Tucker Carlson?
2: I just want people to really get a sense of this man. You know, I think it, it differs from biographies because it's very much about this moment as well as about Tucker as a human being and who he is. You know, it's um, it's not just a story of Tucker Carlson. It's a story of, of our political moments and, and this shift that we're happening and him being right in the middle of that and at the forefront. So, if anything, I hope that it, you know, puts people's uh, 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 ideas into context and and they just really um, find out something about this guy that maybe they didn't know before.
1: Um, Was there, from your research, was there any outside pressure to Fox to get rid of Tucker? Say, the White House or Ukraine? (laughs) I mean, you know...
2: (laughs) Oh, there was tons of outside pressure. I mean, straight from AOC publicly saying so, Chuck Schumer, any prominent Democrat. Um, But, you know, it wasn't the left that canceled him. It was the right. It was Fox that canceled him. Um, You know, Ukraine, I personally think the Ukraine might have been the the final straw. It could have been Uh, That's just my own opinion. That's not anyone telling me anything. It could have been COVID. It could have been January 6th in pharma. It could have been uh, ESG. That's another thing people don't talk about. You know, BlackRock's a big stakeholder in Fox, and they love that stuff. Uh, It it could have been any number or uh, one thing or any number of things.
1: Where is Tucker with former President Trump?
2: So I was with Tucker when those text messages were being released. I was physically with him. So I was getting the real-time reaction and, of course, put almost every word in the book and asked him extensively about President Trump. You know, he loves Trump the man, certainly. Uh, He was more critical about Trump the president. uh, But, you know, with understanding that, you know, you're in charge of the federal government, the largest organization of human beings in history, how does one manage that? Uh, Tucker was very, um, uh, saddened and upset to watch, uh, people inside the administration try to burn down Trump's administration, people going against him, trying to thwart him. Uh, and I think he hated watching that. And he, and he, uh, you know, we write about a lot, a lot of that in the book. Um, but you know, when it comes to Trump, the guy, Trump, the dude, uh, Tucker definitely is a big fan.
1: Well, this is going to be interesting. So, what I'm hearing you say uh, at the end of the day, he's still under contract with Fox. There's only so much he can do unless he wants to find himself in court. And yet, that's a uh, that's a tricky situation for Fox. Do they really want us to be seen taking Tucker Carlson to court? (laughs) Can they
2: afford that? (laughs) Well, you would. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was really not. However, look at how they behaved in the last three months. Uh, Fox's like default reaction to everything is maximum aggression. So I would not be surprised if they did try to take
1: him to court. I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Yeah, because at the end of the day, where does the conservative go on television to get their news? It's still Fox, isn't it? Yeah, you know, there are other
2: networks popping up, but um, I just don't think many conservatives are tuning into Fox. Uh, they're getting it from shows like yours, and, and they're going to the Internet and talk radio and podcasts.
1: Yeah, and Newsmax. What do you think of Newsmax?
2: Newsmax has been really great to me. They love the book. I've, I've got good friends who work there. Uh, and and I personally watch Newsmax now at, at 8 o'clock uh, over Fox News, which I haven't watched since the um, yeah. 23rd.
1: We have Chris on the show quite a bit. He's a good guy. He's a good guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, thanks for your time. Can we get you back? Of course. I would love to join you. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thanks, friend. God bless. Have a great day.
0: God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at the Dove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.